You're listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life Church Pullman, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. All right, so we're in this series called Journey to God, and last week we kind of hit the first stop on the way, which was repentance, and we were talking about what we know now are called the Songs of Ascent, and these Songs of Ascent represent the uh, 15 Psalms, 120 through 134, and those Psalms are Psalms that would have been sung by God's people for thousands of years as they traveled to Jerusalem on pilgrimages to uh, celebrate the festivals in Jerusalem. These are songs Jesus would have sung. Um, and uh, all of his uh, followers thereafter as they travel to Jerusalem. And so we're, we're following in good footsteps in learning these songs and kind of taking some time along our journey to unpack them and get to know a little bit more about them and what they teach us about who God is and what our relationship with God could be like and to get some insights into people that have gone before us and written these fabulous psalms that uh, share their heart, that cry out to God, that celebrate God's good that talk about, like we'll learn today, God's protective care. Last week, we looked at uh, Psalm 121, um, and we talked and looked at, uh, or was it 120 last week? 120, that we're 121 today. Uh, I don't want to throw anybody off that's paying attention to the details. I noticed a lot of you got really upset by that. <laughs> Way to listen. Uh, so last week was Psalm 120, and Psalm 120, we talked about how it was not a particularly beautiful song. It wasn't uh, the most lyrical thing a person could sing, but it was really raw, and it was real, and it was really transparent and vulnerable, and it, uh, it was a song that I think a lot of us could really relate to. We learned about uh, a person who would be so frustrated with the world that's going on, the world around them, the things that are happening around them, that they just cried out to God. And that we talked about how when you get so sick of the world's lies and you're so sick of trying to do this life on your own and you finally cry out to God and ask for God's help and seek God's truth, the Bible calls that repentance. And so if you missed last week, I would encourage you to jump back on the internet. Um, it's real easy on our website. You just go to the website slash sermons and, and catch up. And um, if you miss any, you can catch them there. And so this week we're jumping into uh, the next one on the stop, uh, the next stop on the journey. And so uh, kind, of, uh, kind of following along with a person's uh, faith journey, you first come to that spot where you're willing to repent and turn from your sin and commit your life to the Lord. And you step out in this newfound journey of faith to follow Jesus, to get to know what it's like to be a Christian. And uh, what we know uh, is that when people start this journey of faith, uh, oftentimes, very early on, what they figure out is that now that they're following Jesus, everything is perfect. Everything is amazing. It, it just, like, all the kinks have smoothed out of their life. The bumps are gone in the road. Things are fantastic. The troubles have washed away. And everything goes amazing. In fact, in this newfound faith that you have as you embark on this journey to follow God, if if you actually come across a spot where you have encountered some trouble, uh, some things that have happened in your life, uh, heaven forbid should you doubt anywhere along the way or question your commitment, then certainly there must be something wrong between you and God. Certainly God must have gotten bored with you or moved on to somebody else. Like Otherwise, why in the world would there be any kind of problem in your life? You guys can sort of hear the sarcasm, I hope. Um, Here's the deal. Uh, that's not true. 
that's just not true. That's not the way it works. But the, the reality is a lot of people resonate with some of those things that I said. A lot of people have experienced uh, frustration because it, it, it feels like it's still hard in life, even after they commit to follow Christ. A lot of people have questioned their commitment and wondered if God's really listening or God's really cares. A lot of people have wrestled with um, the idea that God is uh, just got other things that are more important than your little stuff. And if any of you have resonated with any of those things or those have kind of rung true to you at any time, I've got some good news for you. You're wrong. Now, Sometimes when you find out you're wrong about stuff, it can be a little embarrassing. Um, I'm an expert at being wrong, so uh, I've come accustomed to being wrong. I'm pretty used to it, Um, and I still get embarrassed by being wrong. But sometimes when you find out that you're wrong about something, it can actually really be good news. Like once you get over the initial like, oh, God didn't like being wrong, sometimes it's just really good to find out that you're wrong, right? It's refreshing. It's like, whoo, man. In fact, uh, this summer I had an instance where I found out I was wrong. One of my uh, many I was wrong stories, but this one's fun. Uh, I went to uh, Elk River Falls. Anybody in here not been to Elk River Falls? Because I was one of the few, okay? So, um, so if, you, if you're local and you haven't been there, you need to go there because it's amazing. Uh, I've been here a few years and just finally got to going over there. And I'm a person that loves the outdoors. I love being outside hiking and exploring. So I was, I was a little bummed at myself that it took me so long to get there because it's really cool. So I went with a friend. We went, we explored, we hiked, we took lots of pictures. We climbed waterfalls. We did all kinds of cool stuff. It was a really fun time. I love taking pictures everywhere I go and just enjoying God's creation. And then I get back to the car and as we're getting in the car, I start the Tahoe up, and it's a fancy car that tells you how much air is in your tires, which I guess is every car now, but that still is weird to me. Um, And I I start the car, and it tells me right rear is about to go flat. Right rear tire is down to 20 pounds. And I'm like, ruh-roh. Uh, and so I'm like, well, we're not very far from Elk River. We'll just drive back in. There's a little gas station there. I can fill it up, probably get some air and get back in. And I was basically trying to be lazy and not have to change the tire if I could just drive it back in and have somebody else fix the tire. And so as we're driving back in, it's like 20 pounds, 18 pounds, 17 pounds. It's like, uh, okay, I don't think this is a fix it with just throw more air in. So we get back to the little town of Elk River. We stop on some pavement where it'll be easier to change the tire. And so after uh, a good 35 minutes of trying to track down where the jack is, because I didn't really want to look at the book right away, right? Like you just, nobody does that. There's something about being a guy. If you have to open up the dash and read the manual to find the jack, it's just something, right? Are you guys... So I opened up the manual, and I found out where the jack was in the top secret location. Uh, It was like a Magnum PI car. There's a reference nobody gets. Uh, So... So I get the jack out, change the tire. As I'm taking the old tire off and putting it in the back of the car, it occurs to me like it doesn't feel really flat, but I'm like, maybe it was just because the way it was parked or something. And so I throw it into the car. I go into the store to wash my hands, clean up. And as I'm coming back out of the store, cleaning up, I'm walking towards the driver's side of the car. And I notice the front left driver's side tire is flat. And the first thing I think is, seriously, how in the world did I get two flat tires? 
That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, what is up with this day that I could get two flat tires? You have got to be kidding me. And so I'm like, Ugh. and then I'm, I'm like, uh, all right. So I go back around and I'm thinking, well, I'm going to have to go see if I can get one of these fixed. And I open up the trunk. And as I open the trunk, I look at the tire that I had taken off. And as I'm looking at it, it sort of hits me like, yeah, that tire's not flat. Apparently, the little monitor things stay with the tire, and when you rotate your tires, it now is no longer the right rear tire that's flat. It was the right rear previously, now located on the front left. And so I had the joyous of experience of changing two tires for the purpose of one. Now, for me, that was a time in my life, uh, an instance where I was really glad to find out I was wrong, right? It was a little embarrassing, like it is sometimes when we find out we're wrong. I was humbled a bit. Uh, my man skills were questioned. And, and yet, at the same time, when it was all said and done, I was glad. I was glad that it was just one tire. It were, I was glad to be wrong. Uh, to be honest with you, we were at the little town of Elk River, and there was quite a few people around. There were people that came and go, went. There were some people sitting by the store. I, I have no doubt there were people watching me change the wrong tire. And I kind of wish they would have walked over to me prior to me changing two tires and said, hey, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but you're doing it wrong. I think you might be changing the wrong tire, right? Like, as humbling and funny as that would have been, it would have been nice to not do the extra work, to not go down the wrong road that far. And, and today, we're going to unpack Psalm 121. And Psalm 121 is like a friend that comes up to you in your Christian walk and says, hey, I don't know if you realize this, but you're doing it wrong. And then real nicely comes alongside you and says, I don't know if you know this, but you're doing it wrong. This, this stuff that you're doing in your Christian walk, in your faith journey, like there are some things you're doing wrong, and here's maybe some ideas to do it right. So as we get into this psalm, I want you to think of this psalm like a helpful friend that God sends at just the right time to help you understand like, hey, maybe you're going about this the wrong way. So let's, let's look at it, and then we're going to spend a little time unpacking it. So Psalm 121, in your notes or up here on the screen, it says, I look to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. So in this uh, psalm, there are a few things that get pointed out as sort of uh, hazards or troubles that we might encounter along our journey as we're kind of walking out in our faith learning to follow Christ, uh, there are some things that we could kind of encounter. The, the things that they unpack in the psalm is, first of all, you could stumble or trip. Like, you could step on a loose stone, so to speak. Like, you could just sort of accidentally get off the path and, and fall into trouble. Uh, another thing you could do is you could be uh, affected by the sun, and so too long in the sun, right, leads to heat stroke. Everybody knows what heat stroke is. Hopefully not everybody has had the pleasure of uh, experiencing it. It's not super fun. 
when we were in Israel uh, a year ago, some of the people as we hiked out one of the wadis that's like this rock canyon with blazing sun on both sides of us, and it's it, you're like in a convection oven at the bottom of this canyon. It's probably like 108, 105 something air temperature plus all of the the rocks, and there were people in our trip who were just overheated to the point of throwing up and like having dry heaves. They were just, they couldn't get enough water in them and they got behind on being hydrated. And so there was pretty miserable having uh, heat stroke. So that's one of the things you can encounter on the journey. Uh, the other thing that the, uh, the psalmist references is that you could get harmed by the moon. No harm will come to you, he says, that, that you could, you could be, receive harm from the moon, which in the world we live in sounds sort of weird. Like we can relate to tripping and falling. We can relate to heat stroke. We don't relate to the moon giving us a hard time. It's like, what are they talking about? And, and so in the ancient world, uh, they would talk about moonstroke, which was uh, a form of uh, kind of going crazy. We know today that if you hike for a long ways or walk for long journeys and you're physically exerted, you're dehydrated, you're exhausted, that you literally can actually start to hallucinate from dehydration. You can start to go a little bit crazy. Like you, you come across like as if you're going mad from exhaustion. They, in the ancient world, called that moonstroke. And so it was like you were going crazy from the, uh, and they thought it was uh, as a result of like traveling day and night, traveling day and night, and that through the night you would sort of go mad somehow from the influence of the moon, right? You, you, so these are the things that are pointed out in the psalm. You can probably add a lot of things to this list of dangers we could encounter on our journey as Christians, like as we walk and follow Christ, there are a lot of other things we could add to the list of potential troubles. For example, uh, y'all may be vaguely familiar with the fact that we could encounter, say, a global pandemic that turns the world upside down and completely changes everything about everybody's life. Like that could be something that we stumble along into that causes problems in our journey as Christians. We could be... Uh, come into times where we experience like a, a whole breakdown of law and order where there's literally like riots and chaos and, and we could encounter things like that. We could encounter just good old fashioned accidents where there's a car accident or everything from, you know, that sort of an accident to falling off a ladder. You could have accidents as if you were working on your house one day, just, just uh, aimlessly working with a friend and you get attacked by your house. Like, I don't know if any of you guys have ever had an accident like that. There's a cool picture. Um, yeah, that was my hand. It hurt. Um, I know. Here's the cool part about that. We have a picture. Because I have a good friend. Because we were both on the same ladder with our hands full, two stories high. I ripped the window out. The spring hooked me. I'm stuck now to the house. I can't leave. Um, I'm in a bit of pain. And... We both look at each other. He starts laughing and says, do you have your camera? I said, no. And he goes, good, I have mine. And so, so we, he, of course, took pictures for me and then proceeded to almost fall off the ladder. He was laughing at me so hard because that's what guys do when we see other guys get hurt. We laugh because it's just, I don't know, it's a thing. Um, so the truth is, 
in life in our journey, like no matter how hard we try, no matter how many precautions we take, no matter how, um, how much insurance we buy, no matter uh, how safe we try to be, you just can't guarantee safety and security. So in our walk, you can't guarantee that you're not going to come into trouble. And yet when we read this psalm, it feels like, it feels like it's saying some things that caused me to question some stuff a little bit. The psalmist says that God's not going to let you stumble, that God's your guardian, that he shields you from sunstroke, that he protects you from kind of moonstroke, that, that, that you've got this protection in God. And so the natural question, I think, for a lot of us is like, it, it doesn't line up. Like, if we're, if we're not going to experience trouble, like if it, this psalmist almost says that, that we're protected, then how is it that so many Christians still have so much trouble? What exactly is going on here? And I think if we just read it at a surface level, we could sort of see it like that. But I think it's important that we dig into it a little bit more because perhaps there's more going on behind the scenes in this psalm that the author was aware of, that the original hearers were aware of, that doesn't really connect with us because we live in a very different world. And so the very first line of the psalm says, I look up to the mountains, does my help come from there? And then the, in, uh, the NIV, it says, I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? So the question is like, is this just a nice phrase? Just sort of a cliche hallmark kind of statement that we've heard before. Like, I look to the hills. Where does my help come from? I look to the mountains. Where does my help come from? And so I, I stop and I ponder and I start to think about mountains. I love being outside. I love hiking. Everywhere I go, some of my favorite subject matter is mountains. I want to climb them. I want to take pictures of them. I want to be out in the mountains from Canada to Montana to Idaho to everywhere. Like I love going to mountains. And so, so when I see mountains described in this psalm, like I get all kinds of pictures in my mind because I've been there and looked at them and climbed them and hung out with them. And then I think like, does that that mean that I'm supposed to somehow draw strength from the mountains? And, and there's a part of me that's like, well, yeah, I'm encouraged to be outdoors. It boosts my mood a little bit to look at a mountain. But, but like really when life's troubles hit, when calamities happen, when things fall apart, when illness strikes you, like, am I supposed to somehow like draw strength out of a mountain? Like that seems weird. Like some sort of weird new agey thing. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense to me. And it's because it is not at all what the author had in mind. So when the author talks about where does my help come from, does it, does it come from the mountains? We've got to understand that this psalm was written at a time when in the ancient world, there was uh, a great deal of pagan worship of different gods and goddesses and different places to worship. And they lived in a world that uh, looked a lot like the Palouse in many respects. It was more like rolling hills and buttes and rock outcroppings, more so than uh, giant mountains, so to speak. They called them mountains because they hadn't seen mountains. I'm just, that's just me. Um, I had fun when we went to Israel and everybody's like, let's go to Mount this and Mount that. And I'm like, you mean like that thing, like Steptoe Butte over there? Cool. What are we going to do after we do that? Like, where's the rest of the hill? Um, so they lived in a world that looked like that. And, and 
for an ancient traveler, an ancient person traveling in this world, what you would see is everywhere you would look, uh, very predominantly on the hilltops, there were shrines and altars and pagan sacrifices and pagan worship going on. And, And so there was these things that were on the hills that were places of worship and sacrifice to pagan gods. And so, and it wasn't just that you would see it off in the distance, there were servants of those uh, gods that would come and solicit you, uh, that would try and draw you up to the mountain, that would try to draw you to their God, to sacrifice at their God, like come and have sex with this temple prostitute because it's going to help our land be fertile and, and it, you're going to have so much uh, fun and it's going to be so good for you and good for us. And it was like this disgusting display of immorality and just debauchery and drunkenness and cheating, like it was a mess. And here is what a a person traveling on this journey to know God better, to follow God, encounters this this environment where everywhere they look, there are all these different gods trying to offer solutions to their problems. If you're going to experience sunstroke, then you need to go to the sun god and offer a sacrifice to him. If you're concerned about going mad from the influence of the moon, then you need to go and buy an amulet from the priestess of the moon goddess. To, to ward off her evil influence and have protection. If you're worried that you're going to trip and stumble, then you need, you know, that some demon might attack you. You need to, you know, buy this spell to say. You need to buy this enchantment to say. And, and you can get it here or go to there. And there was just all these things going on that were screaming for them to uh, look to the hills for the solution to their problems. And all of a sudden, we start to get a different picture in our mind of what the psalmist had in mind when, when the psalmist writes these words, where does my help come from? Does it come from the hills? It wasn't about drawing energy from dirt. It was about there are all these other people trying to say that they've got the solution to my problem. And the psalmist is saying, no, my help comes from the Lord. And, and the thing is, in the world that we live in, uh, the same stuff is going on today. The same stuff is going on today. Like it's a much more advanced world. We don't have that particular type of worship, obviously out in front of us all over the place, but probably even more so than before, there are all sorts of things screaming at us to try and convince us that, that they have the solution to our problem. That, that their answer is the answer. That when we as Christians encounter problems, when we struggle with things, when we encounter illness and injury and all sorts of things that come along, there are no shortage of things trying to like draw us away from looking to the Lord and say, here's where you go for help. Here's where you go for help. And so as a Christian, even in a modern day, we can say, hey, I- I'm struggling. I'm having problems. Like, where does my help come from? And what happens is so often we get off the path and we start trying to find help in every other place besides God. And Psalm 121 is like the friend that comes along that says, hey, you're changing the wrong tire. You're going about this the wrong way. You're looking to the wrong place for help. I looked up on Amazon just out of curiosity. Um, Like uh, anxiety is a really huge thing in the world that we live in, particularly in our culture in America. And 
we know even in our own congregation that it's uh, an issue that a lot of folks struggle with, with um, different types of anxiety around different things, particularly with all this coronavirus stuff. It's like up the ante for people that naturally just struggle with that stuff. And I'm like, I wonder what is out there? What, who says they have the solution? On Amazon, there's 30,000 titles to help you with anxiety. 30,000. I was like, well, what about guys that struggle with stuff? Guys are dumb and we struggle with a lot of stuff, right? And, and so like we, met, we, we struggle with things. How about ways for guys to get help with the problems that we have? There's uh, 40,000 titles on Amazon, self-help for men. Ladies, whoo, y'all are awesome at finding self-help. And you have, I, I think you should be like, you're like overprivileged because you have so much available. <laughs> it's probably because you live with us guys. There's 70,000, when you type in self-help for women on Amazon, 70,000 titles that relate to that topic. And it's like, oh my gosh, do we ever live in a world that is just screaming to try and guide us to something other than God? Paul wrote some words to the church in Corinth, particularly to Christians in Corinth, that, that struggled with these same types of things. And he said in 1 Corinthians ten thirteen, he says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience and yet God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you're tempted, he's going to show you that there's a way out so that you can endure. And it's like we're not, as we know, we're not removed from the world when we commit to follow Christ. We continue in this journey, and we're, we're in the world. And yet, Paul's saying to us that these troubles that we encounter, the temptation to get off track, like there's nothing that we're going to go through that God won't be there with us, that God can't protect us from. And this psalmist is, is trying to help us remember and be reminded that, that there is nothing. There's no injury. There's no illness. There's no calamity. There's no accidents. There's no uh, anything that can come at us that it's going to have evil influence over us. Like nothing can snatch us away from the love of God. Nothing can take away God's purposes in us. In this psalm, God's referred to by his personal name, Yahweh, um, as uh, God just three times. But in the psalm, it's eight times he's described as a guardian or the one who guards. And this psalm is one that reminds us of the protective care of God. That's called providence. The protective care of God. So what we can be reminded of is that from the time that we repent and we get out of Meshach and Kedar that we learned about last week, we, we kind of step away from this world of fighting and quarreling neighbors and we turn to follow God all the way until the time we're heaven bound. Anywhere and all the way along our journey, we are under the protective care of God. We live in the providence of God and this psalm reminds us of that. And in fact, the, the very end of the psalm, is just such a great statement. It says, the Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. The Lord keeps us from harm. As we've been doing this series, one of the things we're gonna be doing um, from time to time is 
kind of practicing personalizing some of the Psalms just as a kind of a devotional method for us to just sort of sink ourselves into the text and imagine ourselves saying those words to God. So I wanted to do that this morning with these. So we're going to put them up on the screen and I just want to kind of just re-paraphrased it in a personal way. And I wanted us to just read it out loud together as if you're saying these words yourself. So you guys ready? All right. The Lord keeps me from all harm and watches over my life. The Lord keeps watch over me as I come and go, both now and forever. You see, really the only big mistake we can make as Christians on this journey is to wrongly assume or wrongly think that somehow God's gotten bored with us, that somehow something else has taken God's attention away, that he's got bigger, more important things to do, that, that our problems are just too small for God and, and that there's something else that, that he's doing or he, he's off to someone more spiritual than us. And, and you see, these are just whispers from the enemy, like trying to get us to get off the path, to second guess God's commitment to us. And the thing is that we've got to be reminded of, and this Psalm reminds us of, is that we live under the providence of God, the protective care of God, that, that no problem in our life is too big or too small, that nothing can separate us from the love and care of God. In fact, it's like understanding that when we commit to follow the Lord, when we repent and turn from our sin and commit to live and follow the truth of Jesus, that, that when we begin that journey, we're adopted into a family. And we're adopted into a family that comes with protective care. We have a father now that looks out for us. Uh, in this uh, book that I'm reading, uh, learning about the song, uh, the Songs of Ascent, there's a couple different studies I'm doing and reading, and one of the books I'm reading that I'm learning a lot about this um, uh, history of this stuff is a book called a-, a Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And it's written by a guy named Eugene Peterson, who also wrote the Message Translation. It's just a great superhero of the faith kind of in our modern times. And, and there's a quote in the book that I just love because of the imagery it evolves. And so I wanted to share it with you. It says, all the water and all the oceans cannot sink a ship unless it gets inside, nor can all the trouble in the world harm us unless it gets within us. That is the promise of the Psalm. God guards you from every evil. And I just love that imagery that picture of this idea that, that like a ship, as we set out on our journey to follow Christ, like we can be around and surrounded by all of the problems, all of the calamity, all of the junk, all of the politics, all of the hate, all of the riots, all of the thousands of opinions about coronavirus. Like we can be around all of that stuff and yet we just sit here and stay afloat. What's heartbreaking is we, we live in a world where there are so many Christians right now who have a boat and a bucket and they're just going like this. They're leaning over the edge of their boat and they're picking up a bucket and they're dumping this stuff in their own boat. And we're watching Christians get just overwhelmed with all of this junk going on in the world around us and they're literally letting it get in and sinking their own boats. And it's like, man, here we have a God who is like, 
I, I, I've got your back. I look out for you. Uh, I've provided a way for you to not only float, but, but like vibrantly stick out like a beautiful sailboat in an ocean of like mess. Like, like I've made you so amazing and so special. Like people are going to want to come and get on your boat. It's so good. And here you are like, I just can't get enough of all this garbage going on around me to the point where you're not just learning about it. You're being consumed by it and dumping it in your own boat. And so I just love that imagery for us that, that if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling overwhelmed by everything that's going on in the world right now, if you're feeling like crazy about election stuff, crazy about politics, crazy about what you should or shouldn't do, and should you sing here or not sing there, and all the stuff going on in Moscow and in our own little communities, like if it's getting in you and it is to the point where it is like you're feeling overwhelmed and anxious and all that stuff about it, like stop and pause for a minute and go, wait a minute, maybe I need to bail my boat out and I need to just get right between me and the Lord, and trust that God has got my back, that, that God will protect and care for me. And to be reminded by Psalm 121, like a, a friend coming along saying, hey, wait a minute, following Jesus isn't supposed to be this hard. It's not supposed to be fret with worry. It's not supposed to be overwhelming with anxiety. It's supposed to be a, a light burden. Maybe you're doing it wrong. And to take advantage of some time to dig back into this psalm, and let it speak to you and teach you and remind you of the protective care of God. So as we finish this morning, um, I want to just read that psalm one last time. Now that we sort of have a little bit better context, we have a little bit better pictures and imagery in our mind about what the psalmist had in mind, let me read it to you, and then we'll finish with communion. It says, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The the sun will not harm you by day nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. I think that's a pretty relevant psalm for us to remember and recite and reread and just be refreshed and encouraged that in the midst of all this crazy stuff, we have a God that loves us, that looks out for us, that uh, acts as shade. You know, in the world we're in right now with all this crazy chaos going on and all of the politics and all of the stuff, uh, to me, shade looks a little bit like God just kind of helping shelter us from all of the noise and some of the influence from some of the evil junk going on that we just don't need in our boat. So every week as a church, we take communion um, to help us remember what Christ accomplished for us, that he sacrificed his body, that he shed his blood to pay the price for our sins to square us up with the Lord and, and so, that, so that when we put our faith and trust in him, when we do turn from our stuff and ask him to forgive our sins, we know that the price has been paid. And so that's what we remember when we take communion every week. We remember that um, Jesus sacrificed his body for us and that's what we remember as we take the bread. And we remember the blood of Christ shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Let's take the cup. Let's pray. Lord. Hello, Lord. Oh. 
That wasn't even planned. It was so awesome. Oh, God, we love you. And we just thank you that you have a sense of humor and that, um, Lord, we just, we just want to be people that follow you, that are all in. Lord, we want to be quick to, quick to hear when we're doing it wrong. And uh, we don't want to change any more tires than we need to. Um, Lord, help us to just hear from you, hear your spirit, hear from this psalm. Anywhere where we're off track, Lord, we just want to be reminded and encouraged and, and uh, redirected. And Lord, we just want to, we want to just follow you. Help us to uh, just have the stories and the imagery from the message today to just keep ringing true and keep stirring up thoughts. Lord, let this psalm speak to us and teach us today and through the week. We just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us at rlcpullman.com and by connecting with us on Facebook. Until next time, have a great week.